0: So excited you're along for the rise. Here at Rising, we talk all things manifestation, life, purpose, and more. Join me in today's episode as we rise together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Rising. My name is Nista. I'm your host, and today we have Amy Lore, an author, creativity coach, and a coach who helps people activate their creative power on the show today to share her journey in publishing her book share more about our creative processes, and really what it means to express yourself in the digital age. So Amy, thank you so much for making time to be here today. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you, Nista. I'm so excited to dive into this with you. Yeah, I know we were chatting back and forth for the past few months about really the creative publishing process and, you know, putting out our books and our words really into the world, and I resonated so much with a lot of the words that you have written and a lot of the pieces that you published in your most recent book, like The Sun at Midday, and I kind of want to start up a conversation with just you sharing, like, really what that process was like for you, and more so, what is the meaning behind
1: that publication for you? What was the movement behind it, and how did that really begin? Yeah, I would love to share about that. So this book has kind of felt like a long time coming. It's the first desire to write the book came uh, about five or six years ago when I was living in Hawaii. And uh, I spent a year of my life there and had a lot of transformational, expansive, spiritual experiences there, and then didn't totally know how to make sense of it and had what one might call some dark night of the soul kind of moments. Um, So it was definitely my time on that island was like a healing container. Um, And while I was there, I met this man who was one of the original hippies of the counterculture movement. And he had lived his entire life outside of the mainstream. He was almost down to the day, 50 years older than me. Um, And we just became kind of some unexpected friends. And he became like a spiritual grandfather for me. And I uh, spent a lot of time just listening to his stories and his little nuggets of wisdom and really let that be guidance for me as I was stepping into a more spiritual space and stepping into a lifestyle that felt more aligned with The planet, and with um, authentic, respectful relationships with one another, and with seeing myself in more of a divine light. Um, So that was about five or six years ago, and in that moment, I was having this thought: like, this could make a really interesting book. But um, (laughs) it was not at a point in my journey where, like, that felt like the move or that I necessarily had the creative confidence to feel like I can do this. Um, so fast forward a few more years and that idea kind of tapped me on the shoulder again and was like, Hey, let's do this. And then different things kind of came together in my outside world to support that. And I began the process of writing the book, um, And so the book, like The Sun at Midday, is a nonfiction narrative, so it's based on that true story, but it does read like a fiction book. Um, It reads like a a story that you can just uh, keep turning the pages and kind of eat it up. I wanted it to be really enjoyable for the reader, but then it also has plenty of uh, learnings and nuggets of wisdom embedded into it. And... The process of writing the book was such a transformational experience on a personal level. I feel like I touched every edge of the creative process. There are so many highs and so many lows throughout that journey, especially for a project that's such a deep dive like this. I went from excitement and despair and I experienced moments of total flow state with the writing and then many, many more moments honestly of feeling stuck and confused and like, ah, why am I even doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, one thing that I learned is to just have that devotion to move through all of those ups and downs and that devotion is really rooted in a strong vision. And the vision is really that original idea of that original desire to bring something into creation. Um, So, yeah, I I had to find the tools to keep myself moving through that. And one big tool was definitely being playful, um, bringing Mm -hmm. in the element of play and not taking myself too seriously. I think us artists of any kind... can have a tendency to take our art very seriously, but I it really gives me a lot of strength to come back to being a three-year-old just like playing with sticks in the mud. <laughs> That's kind yeah. of what we're doing at the end of the day here. Um, but it really is, I think my one of my biggest takeaways is that it's so worthwhile to follow these creative ideas that whisper on our ear saying like, hey, I want you to bring me to life because it, we don't only just get to watch that process unfold, but For me, at least for me personally, the process of creation was such a personal growth experience and I got to do a lot of healing and I got to discover my voice and share it with the world and I just feel so unlocked in that now. And that's so, so
0: beautiful. I feel like there were so many pieces to that experience that might have been like rather unconventional. And you being right now in your 20s at such a young age, having that experience of like traveling and meeting someone with maybe so much like wisdom and life experience and knowledge I'm sure was um for you maybe more of like that self-discovery sort of catalyst to figuring out really like who it is that you are and what you want so um it's it's beautiful that the words really go into sharing that personal experience and that it reads like a story um I know for us we were just you know, chatting about what it's like being in our 20s and growing up with so many of these kind of like evolutions around us of art and of spiritual knowledge and of technology and what it really means to find our voices and our identities within that. So in this moving space where there's, you know, by the year, just new inventions and concepts and ideas and schemas, how has that been for you? Um, Just figuring out who you are as a person first, but then furthermore, stepping into creating a voice as an artist, as a creativity coach, as an author, is that ever an overwhelming experience for you Um, and empowering or maybe all of the above? I want to hear really what that journey has been for you so far.
1: Mm, Yeah, I think it's certainly all of the above. And I would I would guess that it'd be the same for a lot of us. Um, It really is a totally different game than it was 20 years ago to share your voice and share your art and explore expression. Um, And it's been kind of trippy for people our age, Mm -hmm. because we were born around the same time the Internet was born. Um, And Honestly, I think that the internet is pretty freaking cool. I, it's it's the amazingness of it has been a bit overshadowed by all the negativity it has brought. It just, it feels very popular right now to say like, oh, like I, I hate my phone or like mm-hmm. oh, Instagram's the worst. And that's valid. I get it. Like there there is some negativity out there. Um But I feel like we're kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater there because the internet has also opened up so many possibilities. I mean, even just for a tangible example, like we connected through the internet and we're Mm -hmm. having this wonderful conversation. And like, you know, I feel connected to you. And that's, that's so cool. And we're in totally different states and we're even in different time zones, but we're able to connect and be present with each other and explore and expand. Um, so I just think that there's just infinite more possibilities with the internet. Um, and it's, it's a big thing. It really is a big thing. And so it, I think that a lot of us are needing to get grounded in it by finding our identities in it and finding that way to express.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it's it's interesting growing up with like you said the birth of the internet mm-hmm. at the time that we were like learning, you know, how to speak and learning different languages and like going to school and just meeting peers from around the world because it's like we had these experiences that were really rooted in being in this actual reality and being in the present. And then very soon we were introduced to something that was more virtual. Mm-hmm. And that opens up a lot of doors to just layers of information that may be I don't know, a nine, 10-year-old isn't ready to completely explore. Right. And like you're, yeah. You're I remember like my friends and I would always like we would go on like miniclip and disneychannel.com and play these like games for hours and hours on end. And it's like your your days are becoming so intermingled with like this this virtual. You know, reality that's giving you these like dopamine boosts and the this, this sense of reward, and then you go about your actual day to day, where like you're having interpersonal conversations and in, like the classroom with your friends, and you're playing sports outside, and you're going to music class. So I think growing up, it's like we we're not really thinking on a conscious level at like nine or ten or eleven what our identity is and necessarily how we're showing up in the world. But then you hit a certain age where it's like, let's say you choose to become an artist and a creative, then you are stepping into a light or a mindset of, okay, well, how am I actually showing up on social media and what does that mean? And like when your brain is still associating everything that is virtual with this sense of, oh, there always needs to be a reward by the end of this or there needs to be this dopamine boost or this goal has to be met, then I think that also could tie into, like, how you're posting on social media, how you're really measuring your success on these platforms like are you measuring your success through these numeric benchmarks through the likes and the shares and the comments or is it different for you um are you expressing yourself in the truest most authentic way that you would when you're outside with your friends or grabbing coffee with your girls like is it that natural and is it that authentic and then also on top of that like when you add in this whole element of creating a brand and a whole part of you that extends beyond just who you are um, asking yourself like what you want that to be and what message do you want to share and is that brand reflective of who you are and the things that you're doing in your daily life so it almost becomes these two different worlds and these two you know if you get lost in one or the other it can become these two different like polarities that may be tugging at you and then it creates this inner conflict of like damn like am I am I lying on social media am I being a fraud Mm -hmm. on social media am I being an imposter by the things that I post um so that's just something that like for me at least I've definitely had to have my breaks and like step back from it and as much as I think it's a powerful tool I've had to step back and be like well am I still rooted in who I am as a person Mm -hmm. or am I getting caught up in the story that I want to tell and this perception that I want people to receive of me um, so it's become interesting because I think it's this, like, juxtaposition of me wanting to show up so authentically and so organically and so as myself, but then losing myself in that process that I'm not even that person in my day-to-day, nor do I know who that person mm-hmm. is anymore, Um And then, you know, on top of that, I think being, let's say, spiritual, I know spiritual is a really vague term and we can define it in different ways, but being a spiritual creator, it's like there's this extra pressure to help people, you know, find themselves and get grounded Mm -hmm. and tune into themselves. And then it's like, at the same time, you know, we're obviously trying to provide these transformations and these exchanges that we are charging for. So at what point do we create that balance between, you know, here's a service that I'm offering and that I'm going to charge money for versus how much of that do I want to provide for free? And almost this question of like, should these resources be provided to people for free? Should they just have it at their fingertips? And that's just something that I always toy with in my head. And I think that's created conflicts for me at least in like really fully building out a brand or certain offerings within that. Um, I don't know if that's ever something that you've faced, you know, kind of adding this layer of being a spiritual creator on top of showing up, you know, on Instagram in a certain way.
1: Yeah. I think you bring up so many important points of these internal conflicts that I think I, I resonate with. And I imagine that a lot of your listeners will resonate with as well of like, it's tough. It's tough to, dance with this whole identity thing here um, and understand how much of myself I should be giving and taking and whatnot. Um, And it just, it feels so important to have conversations like these, and even just to bring these questions to the surface, because um, like you were saying, the internet is so intermingled in our day-to-day life. And it's really great to just zoom out and take that bigger picture look of like whoa the past 20 years or the past 30 years or the next 30 years into the future how is this whole internet thing like affecting our world our outer world our inner world um it's it's changing things and so i think it's really powerful to take these kind of reflective moments Um, and i do find it really interesting to think about the digital space as another realm essentially so Mm. we have the physical realm of our bodies and the earth and you know the things that we can touch taste smell etc and we're also connected to the spiritual realm of more of our internal space our emotions and our thoughts Um, and those two things aren't totally compartmentalized like you know Mm -hmm. one affects the other if you have um Negative thoughts, it's going to show in your frown lines. If you um, work out your body and eat healthy foods, you're going to feel uplifted more in that spiritual space. But now, in this in this time that we have been alive, this new realm has opened up to us through technology. We've gained access to this new realm, the digital realm. Um, and you know, we're still ourselves in all these different realms that we have access to, but it's different. Edges of ourselves, different parts of ourselves. And we're, I think we're collectively just in this process of figuring out like, who are we in the digital space? Um, Mm -hmm. Do I get to be in the digital space? Mm. It's kind of like a cyber pixelated avatar of who we are, but it's not all of who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I think it's, it helps me to have more of a playful lens with it of like, this is just this space that I get to explore another version of myself in. Um, and I have different tools in this space. Like I can take um, everything that's happened in one day and put it with a sound clip and put all the best moments in seven seconds. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like that's cool. We have all these tools to, um, to do that. And again, like we can connect with other people. Um, so seeing it more as just like a playful, a playground for us to explore in. Cause I really, at the end of the day, I think that what we're here to do is to enjoy the gift of life and to explore and expand and discover ourselves. And so this just feels like a new realm that has opened up to reflect back to us, just what we're capable of um, what's inside of us and you know, what's alive inside of us. Mm. Uh, This can kind of go to, I have one more thing I want to say, but I feel like I also just said a lot. So I want to let you um, (laughs) digest and respond.
0: No, I was going to say that's such a beautiful element that you brought up that I've never really heard anyone touch on before. This idea of social media, not even social media, but like the internet in this virtual realm, this digital realm, reflecting back to you what you're capable of. I think that's beautiful because it shows that there is this like – organic ease in this extension of who you are and who you can become it's almost empowering to think of it that way rather than something that may be limiting or creating you know internal conflicts or doubts and while that part is natural I really like the reframe of seeing it as something that can be a tool for more of your self-discovery um I yeah I that's something that I'm just like processing, and I'm sure the listeners uh, tuning in as well, that's maybe some mm-hmm. something new that they haven't heard of before. Um, I do want to, I'm just curious to hear, like, when it comes to these realms that you, you know, you touched on the spiritual, the physical, and this digital virtual realm, how would you say that you practice really being a conscious creator and keeping a balance amongst the three? And I kind of do want you to touch on that that other point as
1: well that you were going yeah. to going to hit now as well. Mm-hmm. No, that's perfect timing. Um oh, it's it's um it's an evolving process. I would say I do not have this figured out <laughs> the past mm-hmm. few nights I've been like up late on my phone. Um, but it's interesting because I've been up late on my phone creating things. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, am I just being like a bad girl looking at her phone at night when she should be like reading a book <laughs> or am I being an artist, like creating something yeah. that I get to share with people? Um, yeah. so I think just questioning and kind of doing that zoom out moment <laughs> can really help. Um, But as far as like conscious creation, I just love playing with energy in the digital realm in general. And I think everyone can find their own way to do this. Um, but you know, you can really feel the energy through the screen. If someone's, um, if someone's sharing something uplifting and interesting and vibrant, you can feel that when you look at their post or when you, um. Read the article that they posted, whatever it is. Um, So just like when someone walks into a room and they bring a certain energy and you feel it in your body of like, ah, good vibes, (laughs) or like, "Mm, I think I don't feel drawn to be close to this person. You know that all of those laws seem to apply in the digital realm, and so we can play with that. Um, And I think that that's like a, it kind of seems like a missed opportunity for a lot of us. Like. We're aware of this in in the spiritual and the physical spaces. Um, Let's play with it in the digital space. Mm -hmm. So one thing this could look like is say that you are um, sending an email to someone that you're looking forward to connecting with. One thing that I like to do is just kind of rub my hands together, feeling like I'm charging up my hands with loving energy, and then uh, place them towards the screen and just send Send love. And for me, it comes kind of mm. the a golden light. That mm-hmm. but that's that's so personal, you know. I'm sure it's different for mm. everyone. Or maybe you want to send something different. Maybe you want to send empowering energy or comforting energy. Um, but then charging that up and I I love the idea of them kind of like opening it up and and feeling mm-hmm. a little blast of the energy that you want to emit because we are emitting energy constantly, we're putting out a vibration regardless, and so mm-hmm. it's just kind of bringing it to the conscious level of like well what do I want to create with this I'm putting my energy out like what do I want the effect to be how can I contribute towards that Mm,
0: I love that you use the word play also because I know that that's something that you you really integrate not only into how you might see what it looks like to show up you know in the virtual space but also I know that you use that in your practices as well and with your clients, and I mm-hmm. really am just curious on you elaborating more on like this element of play and what that means to you and how you have integrated that so closely into your work life as well, because I think that that's a tool that a lot of listeners would really benefit from, just that simple, small reframe of looking at the things that maybe they need to do every day or these mundane tasks as something that could be a little bit more exciting.
1: Yes. Thank you for asking that. I am just so in love with the energy of playfulness because Mm -hmm. I think that play is what we all used to do before we tried to make a end product that was perceived as good or right. Mm -hmm. Um, There comes a certain time where maybe school gets more rigorous or grades become more important or social pressures, et cetera, that we stop just doing things just to do them just because it feels interesting in the moment. Um, And it more becomes like, I mean, I can use kind of elementary school art class as an example. Um, I feel like around maybe like nine or 10 years old it started for me to become that conversation of like, oh, she's a really good drawer and like, I just do stick figures still or like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I feel like we kind of got to this point where we felt like we were graduating from just being playful and we wanted to make something that would get an A plus or would get um, the attention of our classmates, whatever, for being good, for being correct. Um But if we kind of look back at the years before that, where play was just the dominating energy of almost every moment, I mean, if you have been with a three or four-year-old recently, all they want to do is play. That Mm is, they do not want to eat. They don't want to sleep. They just want to play. And I think that's really closer to our natural state. Um, So to relearn how to play is one of the most powerful creative practices um, because it's when we try to create something that fits in our standards of good and bad or right or wrong, um, it's kind of like putting these walls up, uh, around what's possible. And like only the things within these defined walls are what I know to be considered good or bad or right or wrong by other people. So I'm going to stay in this comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to make really shitty art, um, or if you're willing to, uh, sing a song and let it be off key, if you're willing to get your hands dirty, um, you never know what you're going to discover and maybe it'll actually be brilliant. There's Mm. a good chance it'll actually just be terrible (laughs) and that's okay too. Just taking away the expectations that like, um, taking away the end goal of trying to create something that others will approve of. um, yeah, opens opens back up that creative energy and that flow state. And it's less about the end product. It's more like what's what life force energy is moving through me right now? And how does my being want to express right now? Let's explore this moment of expression.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so beautiful. It's just like falling in love with the process mm-hmm. and having that be the only goal that there is. Yes. Right. Like there is no destination. It's all and unfolding in every single moment has so much value. There's so much learning in that presence and so much to take away within that, that it shouldn't be about the end goal at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think that is beautiful. And to just tie it back to that inner child component where you're so right, the only goal, and that's not even the right word, but the only Thing that kids want to do is play and mm-hmm. they want to be free and they want to be liberated and it's not even for them it's not a wanting it's just a being that's what they do yeah. right there's no because what wanting does imply lack and when you're a child it's like you are full you're fulfilled mm-hmm. and you have all of it within you anyways so there's nothing that you need to even want more than what you have in that moment when you're just free and you're out in the park, running around in the grass and with your best friends. And, um, Mm -hmm. I think that freedom and that opportunity to just be is something that a lot of us have restricted over time. I'm sure that you with being a creative and like with writing your book, that was probably permission that maybe you had to allow yourself of like, Hey, it is okay. If, writing is messy right now or if my Mm -hmm. words are coming across in a way that doesn't make sense or this publication process isn't entirely as fluid as I expected it to be. And like giving yourself that permission as someone who, you know, you may be in your adult years now, but letting that inner child come out Mm -hmm. on paper. I'm just curious for you to share more about like really what that process was like for you when you were writing like The Sun at Midday.
1: Definitely. So um, I think giving permission to have many, many drafts. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's something that the writer Anne Lamott talks about. She calls it uh, shitty first drafts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just pretty much like any first draft is just not going to be great. (laughs) Just have that expectation. And that's not the goal of it. The goal of it is not to write something epic on the first try. Mm -hmm. And right there is what stops like 99% of people from actually Mm -hmm. exploring it. The goal of the first draft is like, whoa, I feel this idea coming in. Let me see if I can catch it with the tip of my pen and put it on the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have many, many more drafts to go back and polish things up and add our own little touches. But for me, the original um, ideas coming through feels a little bit more like a transmission. And who are we to judge the way that spirit wants to move through us? Mm-hmm. Right? It's not about us, actually. It's just an energy moving through us. Um and yeah, then then we get to use our expertise and our focus and our intellect to um, shine it up in the drafts after that. Um, so I, I lived that many many times through, um, and that was that was a really big help in the process of writing the book. Um, and something else that I did a lot in the book was I deleted a lot of words. <laughs> I mm. probably deleted like. I cut it down in size by about half. And there were times when I had to cut out like 30,000 words at a time with the advice of an editor. Um, Mm. And that was really hard. Like, oh my God, I perfected every single syllable in, in these 30,000 words and you just want me to delete them. (laughs) So that's something that we have to, again, kind of staying unattached and disidentifying with the creation. It's like, Hey, I'm just I'm just the typist here. This is an idea moving through me um, and I'm gonna let it be what it needs to be to um, be in its best form and to resonate the best with the people who are meant to receive it. Uh, so yeah, there's there's yeah. a let go that too.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm just curious as you know, kind of like from an author to author perspective, what that was like working with an editor when they did suggest a takeout you know, all those words. Cause I know for myself, since I went about the self-publication process, I, I kind of just had friends look it over. And so I had a Google doc and then my friends mm-hmm. just kind of went in and put in their comments and I had my parents read it over. But obviously there wasn't, you know, someone who's had like years and years of professional editing experience. So what was that like in terms of you wanting to maybe preserve some of your ideas, your creative nature, and then also working with someone who you know is maybe experienced in this space and Um, can help you with the publication, like finding that middle ground of what do I want to eliminate and what do I want to keep?
1: Yeah. um, Honestly, it was such an ego death moment Mm -hmm. because a lot of the stuff that needed to change was that I was having a victim mentality tone in some of what I was writing. Mm -hmm. and this is where kind of the healing aspect of creating this book comes in for me is that I was writing about, I was sharing my personal story about a time in my life where I did a lot of healing. And I definitely had judgments of myself and the time before that healing happened and the choices that I made. Um, and, um, you know, victim mentality has been a part of my past. And it's something that I just decided is not interesting anymore. You can't really create much from a a place of victimhood Um, so honestly it was the best slap in the face ever (laughs) um, for them to for for them to just be straight up with me and say that Um, and it gave me a chance to let go of anywhere else in my life where i was holding on to that narrative that like um you know that that victim mentality uh so that partly was like a personal growth journey in itself. Um, And then there was kind of the creative aspects of it too, of, um, are you familiar with the poet Rumi? I love Rumi. Right, I love yeah. Rumi. <laughs> Everyone loves Rumi.
0: Speaks to my soul. Yeah, I
1: think Rumi speaks so much to all of us because mm-hmm. it's like these two lines. Yeah, that are just like so powerful. Yeah, um, and so much more powerful than thirty pages mm-hmm. are in those two lines. Um, mm-hmm. And so one thing that I learned through that process was like, how can I make every word count as much as it can. Um, and, you know, kind of keeping people's attention span in mind too, mm. um, but really condensing and like, um, cutting, cutting the fat there, cutting yeah. the fat and being willing to like just be cutthroat and again, like not be attached to, oh, but I really liked the way that one sentence sounded, <laughs> but you know what? It's not, it's not meant to be here. And I had to, Um, as I spoke about earlier, like come back to that vision of like, what's the why behind this creation? Mm. You could ask this about anything, whether it's a book or a painting or a podcast or a business, a song, like what's the why behind this? And anything in this creation that does not contribute to that why, that reason why, I'm willing to let go of. Mm. So if there were things that's like, oh, but like, you know, it feels interesting to share this part of my Personal story, but it doesn't really contribute to the why. Or like, ah, oh, that was that was a really beautiful sentence, but it doesn't contribute to my reason why. Um, mm-hmm. So having that north star of all of our creations is so helpful when we do hit those highs and lows. Yeah,
0: that why I think is crucial and something that I try and keep integrating into my process as I'm trying to evolve with you know my work and my creative processes and projects because it's very easy to like we were talking about earlier get lost in that end goal or even get lost in maybe a lot of the ideas that come up for us that may deviate from Mm -hmm. the message that we really want to send across so I think that's beautiful that you know when it came to really these like traditional systems of publishing a book and you having to sit down and work with an editor and go through the works but also being someone who's sharing such a meaningful, soulful, spiritual story, you were able to use the idea of the why to still go through this process and still be able to eliminate a lot of um, things that maybe like originally when you were writing, you didn't have intentions of, of getting rid of. Um, I think that ego death is something that whether you're an author or a musician or a, a poet or whatever, having this, humility and this baseline that you can always come back to, like always coming back to yourself in a way mm-hmm. um is is important. And I think when those ego deaths hit you, it's almost like, oh wow, like maybe this is how far I strayed from who I originally was or what originally I was trying to do here. It, it, it almost like brings you back to this place of of presence and authenticity. I noticed that when I have those moments, I'm like, damn, like how did I get to this place that was so far from where I, I began, right? Like there's so many more, I think, enticing factors or things that come up that maybe influence your process. Um, So it's, it's beautiful that you had, even within the publication process, these elements of like ego death and coming back to yourself and your why. Um, I think that's, that's beautiful. And like, something that I want to do when I I guess publish my next book because I do want to actually find um, a publisher and an editor and maybe those are experiences that I'll have too so hearing that from you it's like almost exciting like that evolution in just the process of you going about this journey was also a spiritual evolution beyond just the content that you were writing Um, Mm -hmm. I honestly just want you to share you know your socials and where people can find you here as well because this was such a beautiful, soulful, grounding conversation for me. Um, I don't really know if I've ever felt so grounded after an episode <laughs> on Rising Before. So right now I'm just like in this state where I'm like, I just want to meditate. I want to play some like kalimba meditation music and, and ground myself. But I really want listeners to be able to go and check out your book, like The Sun at Midday. Check out your podcast as well um, and your Instagram and everything that you're doing. So go ahead and share with us where they can find you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. And I've had such a great time too. You just <laughs> hold such wonderful space where it feels easy to flow. So thank you. Um, I, as, yes, as you mentioned, I've got a book out like the sun at midday. If you just go to like the sun at uh, you can find it. It's on Amazon. It's a orange cover with a yellow sun on it. Um, and then I would also love to connect with all of you on my podcast in full color, which is all about activating that creative Power. I do a blend of solo episodes where we'll kind of deep dive into an idea and I'll typically uh, offer a guided meditation at the end. Um, And then I also do some episodes where I bring in different creators in all different kinds of spaces and we explore the hot takes that they have on how to connect deeper to that creative power. Um, and then I do some coaching work as well in the creativity space. If you feel interested in getting a little taste of that, I offer a free guided visualization, which is essentially like a 30 minute meditation experience where we take one thing you're wanting to create in your life right now and kind of like sprinkle some pixie dust on it. It's very fun and relaxing. Um, so you can find that at visualization.amienfullcolor.com. And Nista, I'll give you the links for that if you want to put them in the show notes. Um, and then if you want to follow along with me on social media i'm at amy in full color and i would love to connect with you be sure to send me a message and let me know that you find me through rising awesome yes i am
0: definitely gonna put all those links below in the description like always so everyone who's listening you guys can go ahead um give amy a follow check out her book and her podcast and amy thank you so much again for being here today this was honestly a lovely conversation. I have so much to walk away with and process for the rest of my day. And uh, I appreciate you being here, being so vulnerable and sharing your experiences here at Rising. Mm, For sure. Thank you so much for having me. All right. And for everyone listening, thank you guys for tuning in today at another episode. And I will see you guys here once again at Rising.